You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Brea Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about literature around the world and interviewing publisher and writer Chad W. Post. But first... What are you reading, Brea? I just finished a book that several people on the internet said, Bria, you got to read this book. Yes. Thank you to all the listeners who constantly send in recommendations. I know. It's really good. For Bria. And uh, yeah. And and I think maybe my friend Brazos said I had to read it. Someone else said I had to read it. And I'm sorry. I don't remember who it was. Like someone I know. I know. No. Not just know from the internet. Not that the people on the internet are not my friends also. (laughs) Um, Anyway, it's um, an absolutely remarkable thing by Hank Green. Which people are talking about. It's a people buzzy book. People are talking about it. It is a buzzy book. I've never, I don't think I've ever read another Hank Green book. Maybe. This uh, is his debut novel, I'm pretty sure. Okay, great. <laughs> um, I just said, it's like, it's such a big deal that I feel like people are so excited about it. Okay, well, isn't anyway. he John Green's brother? And they have a podcast together? Good. I don't know. If not, we'll cut that part out. <laughs> um, um, so, an absolutely remarkable thing is written from the point of view of a woman named April May who is walking around in Manhattan, I think it's in Manhattan, in the middle of the night with one of her friends, and she finds this giant statue, and she they're like, oh, this is crazy. And she's like, take, and they like take a video of it, and they call it Carl, and they make some jokes, and they wake up the next morning, and the video has gone viral because these statues have appeared all around the world. So, like, and they don't know what they are. And at first they're like, is it an art piece? And then, of course, it ends up being, like, something much more fantastical than that. Um, What's interesting about the book, and it took me a second to get used to it, is that um, it's written from her point of view, and it speaks like she would speak. So she's, like, a millennial young, a young hip person and uses slang and says things that are uh, self-degradating. What's that word? Deprecating. Deprecating. Uh, She says things that are self-deprecating, and she's, um, uh, you know, silly and funny. And and at first I was like, oh, this is, it's sort of like, I was like, this kind of like young YouTuber wrote a book is what it feels like. But you get really, it takes a second to like adjust to that if you're used to reading like a literary fiction book or something. But it is definitely worth reading. It's really good, and I think it has a lot of really good... um, it's, it's really great. Really interesting female protagonist. She's uh, bisexual and has to deal with that in, like, a public way because she gets so famous. And, like, yeah, it was, it's really it's really interesting. And I really enjoyed it. And thank you to everyone who recommended it to me. Yes. Thank you, folks. What are you reading, Mallory? So I am reading uh, an advanced copy. You'd be very proud of me. I'm reading an ebook. Oh. I'm, on my phone. Because you normally bring in the books you're reading, and I don't see it. I, it's, oh, I've got my phone right here. Got uh, it. My friend, uh, Leanna Renee Heber, she wrote a book called The Spectral City. It's out on the 27th of November. So it's basically, it's like a mix of a ghost story and a crime novel at the turn of the century New York. Wow. It is this woman that the police go to when they need some help solving crimes, but she's a ghost. So it's her from her perspective, and it's, so if you were into, like, Historical fiction, spooky shit, spiritualism, ghosts. It is so much fun. She's such a great writer, and I'm really, really glad that she had me read this ahead of time. Uh, It is just like, if you are, you need a great, fun, curl-up-with book for November, this is the one. What is it called again? I'm writing it down. So this is The Spectral City by Leanna Renee Heber. Uh, And I read An Absolutely Remarkable Thing by Hank Green. 
So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Sarah wrote in, I was just listening to episode 70 where there's a listener question regarding being an e-reader in a bookstore. I wanted to share that my favorite thing to do while traveling is to stop at a bookstore and buy a journal. That way, every time I use the journal, I think about where I was when I got it. It's a really lovely way for me to preserve a memory in multiple ways. This is a good good suggestion. And you know what? I also love a journal. I never can have too many journals. They just I just sit them on my shelf and I use them all for various things. Because I bring them to sets and I bring them, I make shot lists on them. Like I do all sorts of stuff. And I, now I have one for like all my finances and I like to handwrite things. So I think this is a great idea. And if you're journaling while you're traveling, what a great idea, Sarah. Yes. Sarah. We so many Sarah. So many so Sarahs. Many Sarahs I feel, right we, we love we are such a pro Sarah podcast. I'm telling you, we gotta do a Sarah episode. We have to do a Sarah. I'm, I'm, I think a full quarter of the fan mail that we get is from Sarah's. <laughs> Speaking of book journals, Danielle wrote in and said, I keep a book log in my yearly bullet journal as well as the movies and TV shows I've watched. It's a nice way, it's nice to have a physical encapsulation of all the stuff I've done and read and seen for a whole year in one place. <gasps> I think that's so smart is to uh, include, so do all your books, all your movies, all the TV shows, like log everything that you've watched for the year and see, and I don't know if you can rank the things that you liked, like write down notes to remember the things that you liked or things that you didn't like. It's kind of cool because I, I feel like this helps people realize that like books and TV, it's all entertainment. Yeah. Like it's reading doesn't have to be this like lofty thing that you like, you read this gigantic 1200 page book you know it's just, it can be just as fun and entertaining and you know what tv and watching movies is just as important to relax and take in more art oh i see you're thinking it's like an entertainment journal yeah the first thing i i thought of when i read this i was like oh no but where would you put it there's i have all my books lined up in one space and then i do have like a daily journal i do but like where would i put a tv movie journal and i have a whole new journal which i'm not opposed to um, i was thinking a journal with like three sections like books TV shows, movies. Interesting. And then you're like, I watched The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina yeah. uh, during October. I gave it an A minus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And then Elise wrote in with a wheelhouse. So this wheelhouse includes organizational groups of women that have magic and don't fuck with men trying to interfere in their business. Strong female characters, both antagonists and protagonists. Supernatural themes, especially traditional horror vampires, werewolves and ghosts. Witches, especially any village-slash-kitchen-slash-green witches. Books set in ancient or mythological settings, especially Rome or Egypt. Fantasy books based in cold weather. Ooh, I would like some suggestions of that one, because I was just thinking... Go ahead. Sorry. Finish this. You're like, I love a cold dragon. You know what? I was thinking, I was like, when it's cold outside, which it rarely is here, I always do want to read a good fantasy book, but I want it to feel like it's in the cold. Something about December makes me go, December fantasy. I don't know why. I want elves wearing scarves. Yes. Yeah. I guess because in fantasy worlds, things are kind of cold usually. I don't know, as compared to California. Anyway, sorry, she has more. She has many more. Uh, Dragons that talk, books with awesome monsters or creatures like chimeras, books where nature is alive and kind of pissed at humans, so the trees that, so like trees that want to destroy people. Great. Cozy mysteries with indignant detectives, (laughs) haunted house stories, dirigibles and also just steampunk themes, creepy shit sent against the backdrop of Victorian London and foggy alleyways. Books where humans and animals share a lifelong bond, talk to each other, have each other's backs, strong friendships that won't be broken, and found family stories. Um, These are great, but Elise, I feel like there's some crossover here. I feel like there's some crossover. I think the London and foggy alleyways uh, goes with cozy mysteries and indignant detectives. (laughs) I feel like those are strong crossovers. You know those indignant detectives are trying to find their way down a foggy alleyway. I feel like that's what's happening. Um, 
You're like, I don't want an indignant detective down a clear, well-lit, <laughs> sunny alleyway. If my detective is disgruntled at all, he better not be able to see five feet in front of him either. <laughs> or her. So this week's five-star review comes from a bunch of letters and numbers that I'm not going to read. I think they just this person just like typed a bunch of shit into their yeah, yeah. into the bar. Just, yeah. And that's fine. Uh, but th- they're currently reading Dark Intelligence by Neil Asher. Oh. Thank you, random series of letters and numbers. We really appreciate your five-star <laughs> review. <laughs> uh, so you, you can always email us your feedback in wheelhouses at uh, readingglassespodcast at gmail.com and bookmark for the week i want to reiterate uh if you are a librarian and you can have access to my book lady from the black lagoon on netgalley uh and if you want to help it out you can vote upvote it over on library reads until february it uh, we are in the stage of my book right now where we're like getting blurbs from other authors and librarians and booksellers and like building buzz and i'm very nervous and very excited so if you would like if you're a librarian and you want to help out with that process go over to library reads and check it out and if you like it give it an upvote sweet so before we talk about literature around the world we're going to take a quick break reading glasses is supported in part by storyworth StoryWorth makes it easy and fun for your loved ones to share their stories with weekly emailed story prompts. So here's how it works. You purchase a subscription for someone you love, and each week StoryWorth sends them an email with a question about their life. And then they simply reply to this email with their story, or they can record it over the phone. And after a year, their stories will be bound into a beautiful keepsake book. So the holidays are coming up. This is a great gift for friends, for loved ones, for family. You don't know what to get your mom. You don't know what to get your grandma. StoryWorth is a really fantastic way to, like, give a personalized, fun, interactive gift that really keeps on giving for a long time. Yeah, so I gave uh, one to my mom about a year ago, and we're about to get to the end of it, and I'm about to get that book, which I'm very excited to have. And the nice thing about StoryWorth is it emails you their answers every week, so I feel like I've gotten to know things about my mom that I didn't think about asking you know like just small things about her father about her growing up I think it's a really fun way for you to connect with someone and ask these questions that maybe don't come up over Thanksgiving dinner or something but you always have wanted to know or maybe you didn't even know you wanted to know like oh what was it like uh what was it it like when you were a teenager or like just things like that that I had never thought about and so um and things and questions about my grandparents I didn't even know. So I loved it. I think it's a great, great gift. And we have a code for you if you want to purchase it. Yeah, this is a great gift, especially because you don't have to wrap anything. You don't have to mail anything. It's very quick. It's very easy. It is. So if you have like, this is the perfect for that relic. You're like, oh, shit, I forgot to get Aunt Schmugglesmore something. And I don't have time to mail her anything because it's almost Christmas. It's almost her birthday or it's almost Thanksgiving. StoryWorth is perfect for that. And for $20 off, you can visit storyworth.com slash reading glasses. All one word, reading glasses, when you subscribe. Yeah, and $20 off is great. This is a perfect gift. Um, I'm excited to show that book, and I will share what that book looks like when I get it, which is very soon. So um, tune into my social media, and you'll see all that. Tune in. Tune in. (laughs) Hi, I'm the JV Club Podcast, Janet Varney, and I used to suffer from indecision. I couldn't choose between Star Wars and Star Trek, whether to call or text, or the best way to cook my eggs. But now, thanks to my weekly dose of We Got This on Maximum Fun, my decisions are made for me. Thanks, Mark and Hal. Warning, We Got This may cause shouting, phone throwing, the illusion that the hosts can hear you, laughter on public transit, and death. 
We got this with Mark and Hal. We know what's best. This week, it's all about books and literature around the world. One of our most popular episodes is the one about translated books, and we get a who knew who knew. And we get a lot of follow-up emails about it. So we decided to do another episode about books published in other languages and countries. So one of the things people ask the most about is where to find books in their original language for multilingual readers. Our guest, Chad W. Post, will be answering that question and much more in our upcoming interview. Okay, so Mallory, do you know that the what the best-selling non-English fiction book is of all times? Time? I can see it in the document, I'm so sorry. I, I'm going to say sorry. I, I don't put it know. elsewhere and I forgot. <laughs> Um, it's Le Petit Prince. Oh, very cute. Um, it's been translated into 300 languages and dialects, which is a lot. And it is one of the most translated books in the entire world. It sells nearly 2 million copies annually still to this day and has sold over 140 million copies worldwide. That's, That's incredible. crazy. That's amazing. For those of you who don't speak French. That's the little prince. <laughs> For you uncultured people out there like Listen, me. Listen, if you don't know Le Petit Prince, um, yeah, the little prince. That's amazing. It's not the littlest prince, right? No, just the little prince. Uh, but we also- The tiniest, smallest prince you've ever seen. He's, he's so he, tiny. He's he the son of Thumbelina. He <laughs> sits on your fingernail and eats a single flake of corn. Isn't there a book called The Littlest Something? The Something Smallest? The Littlest? Uh, maybe. I don't know what I'm trying to think of. Anyway, it's a lot of books about very tiny finger-sized people. Yeah, Thumb- Thumbelina, Thumbelina, Tom Thumb. Tom Thumb was a mouse, though, right? Mm, Is no. Tom Thumb a mouse? Isn't one of them the mouse? Something is a mouse. <laughs> Stuart Little. Stuart Thank Little. You. Stuart Little is a mouse. <laughs> He's the littlest of all mice. The littlest Stuart Little. The littles. What about the littles? Oh, the little borrowers. Bits? Little bits. The bar. We should just do an episode on tiny people. Tiny people. I'm into Tiny it, people and their tiny mice. Bookmark that. Um, but for people who, for English speakers looking to read more books from all over the world, this episode is for you. And remember, folks, like reading Eat, Pray, Love because she goes to India doesn't really count here. Why would you read a book about a white person, about a white person, by a white person, going to visit a foreign country when you could just read a book by an author from that country who wrote it in that country's language? So try adding some translated books to your yearly reading goal. Um, quick side note, we are living in a scary time right now, and it's important to be aware and empathetic. And you know what fosters empathy? Reading. Reading. We talked about it on the show. Foster some empathy and awareness of other cultures by reading a book from that particular culture. Yes, again, I so much love to Elizabeth Gilbert, but this is not the kind of book we're talking about here. We're talking about, like, actual authors from that actual country. Um, so there's actually a great t- TED Talk by um, author Anne Morgan. Have you seen this? It no. says, um, it starts with her saying... I thought I was well-traveled, uh, but actually I looked at my bookshelves and they told a different story about me. And then she decided that year to read a book from every country in the world. She did 196 countries. Um, and what's really sad is that um, in some some countries, there were no books translated to English for her to read. So she couldn't read them if, even wow. if she wanted to. And we'll link that TED Talk. It's really interesting. She holds up the books and talks about the books. And I mean, she actually talks about, it's really amazing, the community that was created about her trying to do this. Because, by the way, she had to read four books a year, a week, which was crazy. Wow. But also, there were certain countries that she was like, 
I don't know what to book to read. There's no books translated. What can I do? And people from those countries would like reach out and talk to her about it. It's a really interesting talk. And That's um, incredible. It, yeah, you should definitely check it out. Readers we'll, are we'll so link to it. fucking cool. Yeah, so cool. We'll yeah. link to it in the post. And 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 I've recently figured out that I can put videos in on the Max Fun blog. So I'll put the whole video on there. Wow, yeah. getting fancy. I know. So. One of the problems that I think we didn't solve in our other episode, and I think a lot of people stumble over when they're like, yes, okay, I totally understand why I should read a translated book. But it makes it hard for readers because translated isn't a genre. Right. I feel like books are like a sandwich. When you're like, hey, you want a sandwich? The first question you ask is, what kind of sandwich? Right. When someone gives you a book, they're like, okay, cool, it's translated, but are there spaceships in it? Is there kissing in it? Is there monsters in it? Like, you want to know what the deal is. I want a book with no kissing, please. <laughs> no kissing I want a, I want a book where the spaceships are kissing the monsters. Mm, good idea. Okay. Um, so you want, like, it's cool that you want to translate it. What kind of sandwich do you want? I want an egg salad sandwich. Oh, always? Yes. Really? Yeah. What if it's hot outside? Ooh. Mm. <laughs> the problem is I'm, I don't eat meat. Yeah, yeah, So it's yeah. either, like, tuna salad or, oh, I guess grilled cheese. I'm a big peanut butter and jelly. Um, yeah. I go basic. It's too dry. Oh, no. I, well, you got to have a good bread. <laughs> we will start a separate sandwich podcast. Tune in for Bria and Mallory's sandwich podcast. <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> Only on Maximum Fun. <laughs> Vegetarian sandwich podcast. Uh, yeah, so I feel like the the way to get more people to read more translated books is to help them find the genre that they're looking for. Right. Instead of doing a strenuous round of Googling, uh, this is when a website like Goodreads is very helpful. So you can search for translated plus whatever you're looking for. So, like, translated books from Japan, translated crime fiction, translated YA. This is when you can um, really... Thank all those people who've been tagging all of their books this whole time, which is not something that I do, but other people do a lot, which I super appreciate when I'm looking for stuff. Yes. Um, so on Goodreads, there are a bunch of lists like Japanese mysteries, German YA, Chinese sci-fi. And just a, just a side note, quick thank you to people who make these. Because yes, this is actually helpful so when we are doing this show. I'll go look up stuff like that. And people have made full-on lists of stuff like this. It's very helpful. Yeah, I was checking this out for this episode, and it's was so I've been trying to avoid Goodreads lately because my book is now up for people to review it oh. and I'm so scared that it's gonna be like one star Mallory should be murdered <laughs> so that I've been like I talked to a bunch of my other author friends and Cameron Hurley was like get off of Goodreads never ever look at it ever again oh, so, so I'm very have, have to use something else for for other I'm for very research sc- I'm gonna figure out what to do next year but I'm very scared of Goodreads but um I was lo- when I was looking, I was like avoiding looking at my author profile, but then just looking at all of these lists and just really appreciating all the incredible people who read these books and are like, oh, this was a good translated Japanese crime fiction book. So shout out to all of you. High five. We love you. Yeah. Remember, you can't look for this stuff on Amazon. I think that's what's hard. If you're like going to buy a book or even get it from the library, a lot of the search engines for these things, you can, like you type in translated book and it just looks for books that are titled translated book. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. So it's not a tag. But with Goodreads, you can. And library thing and book likes have tags for translated books as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that's that's super helpful. So, yeah, again, so on these websites, you search for translated plus whatever genre you want, plus the language that you're it, like language that you're looking for it to be translated from if you're getting really specific but that's I don't know I feel like this is the way to get yourself more into it because like yeah just someone giving me a book like it's e- if you're totally fine with reading whatever 
looking at the, you know, the best translated book of the year award winners is great. But if you are someone who really likes very specific things, if you have a very specific wheelhouse, if you really only like reading YA or you really only like reading sci-fi and fantasy, but you do want to get more translated books, like this is the way to go. And this will save you a lot of time and find some really awesome new books. Yeah. Yeah. So you can send your thoughts on books around the world to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we talk to Chad W. Post, we're going to take a quick break. This holiday season, we're flooding the Max Fun store with our biggest ever new product launch. 17 brand new items from some of your favorite shows. I bet you know someone who needs a new shirt or mug, maybe a hoodie. Cozy up in a pair of MaxFun logo socks or keep the sun out of your eyes with a Rocket Dad hat. There is literally no better holiday gift for the MaxFun fan in your life than some new year. And hey, pick yourself up a little something too. You deserve it. Check it all out at MaxFunStore.com. That's MaxFunStore.com. So here we are with publisher Chad W. Post. Chad, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. What are you reading right now? Like literally right now? Um, yes. I actually just got a new book in a new galleon from FSG called uh, The Nocilla Trilogy by Agustin Fernandez Mayo. And I just started reading that this morning. It's a um, three, it's like a, it is a trilogy, obviously, but it's all been one volume that they're going to package as like a slipcase with three section sort of like 2666 by Roberto Blano and it's um very difficult to describe because it's like hundreds of different little minor points and plot points and characters and descriptions and landscapes and it's it's very much like a post his I think he calls it post poetic uh writing so it's pretty interesting so far I don't know how to describe it any better than that <laughs> that sounds awesome yeah it's it was like- one that I, like I hadn't heard I heard his name and I've heard of this vaguely and I love Spanish writers and so I figured it's a nice big fat book for like a holiday season. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about Open Letter Books? Yeah. Open Letter started in 2000. Well, officially we started in 2007, but our first book came out in 2008, September of 2008. So we're exactly 10 years old, basically. And um, we were f- founded at the University of Rochester, where they were starting to put together a series of translation programs, both for undergraduates and for graduate students, and wanted there to be a practical component as well. So you'd learn how to like the theory of translation, their theses or their projects, if they're undergrads, their portfolios are like full book length translations. And then to have a press that was part of that, where the students could work with us on how to edit books, how to find books, how to get involved in the publishing industry. Um, they, they, the university wanted that to be a part of this program as well. So that's how Open Letter kind of came to be with the mandate of publishing 10 books a year, all in translation, very high quality, not necessarily translated by our students, but by you know, professional freelance translators. Um, and it sort of build a, a reputation for the translation program um, by, by publishing great books. So we've been doing it for 10 years now and it's expanded like in wild and weird ways. Like we have a website called 3% that was um, launched before the first book. So we had a way to talk about the publishing industry about translation, review books that were being translated because there are very, very few of them that were getting translated at that point in time, and to just sort of have a have an outlet to communicate with people. And from there, we ended up creating the translation database, which tracks all 
books of fiction, well, all books that are translated into English for the first time, mostly fiction and poetry. The nonfiction and children's sections are uh, a bit uh, incomplete at the moment. Um, and then out of that came the Best Translated Book Award, whereby we give out $20,000 in cash prizes every year to the best translated work of fiction and of poetry. So it's gotten the, and we have a reading series. It's like a bunch of stuff that all fits under this big, huge nonprofit sort of rubric um, to help promote international literature as widely as possible. That's amazing. That's super rad. Hell yes. <laughs> and exhausting. <laughs> yeah, exhausting. We, I, I imagine, but like you're doing such good nerd work. <laughs> so you. what are some good resources for people like listeners of the show who are looking to find more translated book recommendations? Yeah, the the best place is that, I mean, there's a number of websites that cover international literature in a very smart and entertaining way, such as um, Words Without Borders, which was just, this is a self, self-promotional self plug, but they just awarded me the Ottawa Award for promotion of international literature. Congratulations. Um, very cool. Thank you. Yeah, we just had the gala like two weeks ago, so it's uh, still pretty fresh. Um, but uh, they Words Without Borders has a lot of samples from different authors from around the world, many of whom have been picked up and published in full after they appear on, on their website. And they also have a review section um, that covers a lot of international literature. Um, there's another website, Conversational Reading, which is run by Veronica Esposito. Um, out, and he, as she works at um, uh, Center for Art of Translation and in two lines of another publisher that does translated literature. And that website, although it covers all books written in English and in other languages, there's a heavy focus on international stuff, and it's a good place to look at. Um, a third one that I'd recommend is Asymptote, um, which is very much committed to international literature. And their essays, they, they tend to run more essays than book reviews per se, but they do have some book review recommendations. And their essays are like really smart, very learned, very long, very, very compelling and interesting. And they do have a... Um, some samples, but they also have like contests for young translators who are looking to get involved in translation. So they're, they're a really good resource for like knowing about the world. And I suppose I'd plug our 3% website because we do, I do a weekly article that's sort of about, it's about books in a way and about publishing in a way and uh, does recommend a lot of stuff, but also has, is filled with like bad jokes and offensive jokes. So <laughs> amazing. <laughs> so that... <laughs> like the last one's all about doing things 60% of the way. Oh, there you go. That's oh, hilarious. Man. So that second website that you were talking about, would that be a good place for like multilingual people to find book recommendations like in their original language? Yes, it definitely would. I was actually trying to find because I know that Veronica put together at one point in time, a list of books that um, that she thought should be translated that hadn't been. And it's somewhere on that website, but I can't find it at this at this moment. But that is a great place for that information. And so is so is um, Words Without Borders, solely because they're running some excerpts of stuff. And then that author, that might be the only thing that author has ever had translated into English. But they'll have information about like their other books or where that that piece came from. So it's a really it's really useful if you're trying to search for like people that you'd want to check out. There is too a um, Publishers Weekly has an international focus um, is part of the magazine. Um, and they do certain deals on like, what are the big books that are being bought or sold from other countries, but they also sometimes just have information. Like there's a, a, a really good long-term friend of mine, Ed Nwatka writes a lot about the different, um, uh, festivals and book conferences that take place all over the world. And those usually are accompanied by lists of books that are untranslated or that, are worthy of, of someone paying attention. So it's, an, it's a little bit more legwork on that side, not like a pure list, but it is pretty interesting to get involved in reading a lot of things from there. And you regularly write for Publishers Weekly about translated <laughs> books. Yes, yes. They, um, we, we essentially like 
they have our translation database now is hosted on Publishers Publishers Weekly because it made it able that people could search it and add to it and like find in, any information you wanted. So if you the example I always use is if you want to find like a book, a work of fiction that was published in like 2010 by a female writing in Spanish, you can find that by just clicking the appropriate little check boxes and searching. So Publishers Weekly was able to take our this database that I've had on my computer and in like Excel format for ages, for 11 years, and convert it into like a much more interactive site and interactive uh, uh, function. So it, it, that's very cool. And as part of that, I write for them on a re- semi-regular basis, like every other month or so about like um, something related to the database. Like I like to do a lot of, um, I, I like to write about books and talk about books. And especially when I teach here, I love to get into like the literary theory and like digging into how books are written. But I also really love like statistics and numbers and larger ideas. And so a lot of the pieces I write for Publishers Weekly are like things that we find by looking through the database and trying to figure out what's going on, like what trends exist. Like, like for example, a Scandinavian noir becoming such a big deal is able to track like how many books of Scandinavian noir came out over X number of years and see that that growth pattern and if it started to stabilize or, or fall off. Cool. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, so does Open Letter Books have any upcoming releases that you're really excited about? <laughs> yeah, I got, I got asked a similar question earlier this week in a in a in a written interview, and they're like, "I know you're going to say all of them, but don't <laughs> do not." So there's there's two there's two big books that are coming out in the spring um, that I'm really excited about that we'll be promoting at Winter Institute actually in a couple of months. I don't know if you guys will be going to that by any Wait, chance, but it's um the- it's for a lot of booksellers and publishers and authors. And it's in Albuquerque this year. And we've, we've got two books that we're highlighting. One is called Flowers of Mold and Other Stories by Song Nan Ha. And she's a Korean author. And it's a collection of stories that are very unnerving in which like people, the characters are almost like horror stories, but not really, like kind of psychologically unnerving, where like characters will suddenly not be able to remember things and uh, uh, like think that their husband's having an affair with someone next door, but they can't really even remember any parts of their life. So it becomes a very like weird story to read and then there's one where like a guy decides that he can't connect to anyone within his apartment building this big big apartment building in, in korea so he decides that the best way he could find out about them is to collect all their trash and go through it bit by bit to see like what their life is actually like so he starts <laughs> starts collecting everyone's trash which is weird and then there's like another one where um a bunch of a bunch of uh, shop owners are going to have their rent raised so they decide like the best way to deal with this rent raise and like to, to take care of the problem is just to like kill the landlord during a, a retreat um, so it's like these weird, dark stories about like urban life that really, and like this disconnection between oneself and the rest of the people that you're surrounded by, and then how that kind of disintegrates slowly but surely, and like your ideals start to disintegrate. But that book is amazing. And we're going to do another short story collection of hers um, in the future that's called Bluebeard's First Wife. But then the other book they were doing, and this is a great translation story and a great wild story, is called um, The Translator's Bride by Joao Arais. And he's a Portuguese author. It's a short book, but 100 pages. Um, it's very much like an inner monologue for most of it, in which he's just complaining. This character, is, his, his fiance has left. She just left him, went off on a boat to find like somewhat of a better life. He, it's in the 1920s and somewhere in Portugal. She's gone, and he's like just pissed. Like Everything sucks. The city's gross. Every human being is annoying. Nothing's ever working out for him. And his, his publishers they translates for never pay him on time, which is <laughs> Very true to life thing. Um, and it, everything's just not working out. His landlord is an annoying woman. And so he, uh, in his mind, he's ranting through all this stuff and trying to figure out like what he could do to make his life better. And he thinks that if he buys this yellow house, his, his bride will come back to him. 
everything will work out fine. It'll be great. Um, so he goes on this like weird path of trying to figure out this scheme to buy this house. Meanwhile, like nothing's working out and he's trying to be like really nice and flowery in his like speech towards people. But like internally, it's just like one big long rant. Um, it's super funny and really interesting. But what happened was the person who was going to translate it didn't. And, um, and like when the due date was coming, coming close, we found out that, that it just wasn't going to get done. It just wasn't going to be done on time. So Joao, who's a translator from like Norwegian, Swedish, Icelandic, Danish, uh, and I think German into Portuguese and English into Portuguese, translated it himself from Portuguese into English. Um, and And it was like, absolutely, it's stunning because like, we work a lot with people, with young translators in particular, um, but with people who are sometimes working into not their native language. And it's usually kind of rough and something that you have to like really tweak and work with to be able to get it to, to flow. But this book came in and it's like almost perfect. Like there's a few few questions about making sure that we have the right tone of the character's voice and like matching matching certain words, right? But uh, for the most part, it's like absolutely stunning. So like this guy who's like an amazing writer and a a translator from like a number of different languages just found a new skill and translated his entire book in like two weeks. Damn. It's like the perfect, perfect story. And to be called translator's bride. It's like the most subtle sort of story ever. So. Wow. That's amazing. So tell us about your reading life. Do you have any reading quirks you want to share? I, uh, I I think maybe the the weirdest quirk, I read a lot because I read for stuff that we're publishing, like, and I don't necessarily do the first line edits on stuff, but I do read everything both for promotion and then also to, to proofread it. And then I read a, like a translated book a week for this, this website and have been judges of contests and everything. So I'm reading constantly, but I think maybe the most, the quirkiest thing is that um, I, I hate running. Like I hate it like with a passion, but I feel like I need to do it to, cause I'm getting old and need to try and stay in shape. So I'll go to the gym and I'll listen to the audiobook of of something, and I have the Kindle version, so I can follow along because it's the only way I can distract myself enough, so I can run for thirty minutes without thinking that's the most boring thing on earth. Um, <laughs> so that's maybe the weirdest quirk is that I can't, I don't do one or the other. I'll listen and read it simultaneously. That's amazing. <laughs> it's just such an odd thing to do. I don't think people at the gym find it very entertaining, but <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. So, Chad, where can we find you online? I am um well three percent is uh is the easiest way to do that is uh, rochester.edu forward slash three percent all written out and open letter books is openletterbooks.org and then I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the things as just Chad W Post. Simple like apparently I'm the only Chad W Post in the world. Wow. It's like Highlander. <laughs> I know, yeah. It's but it's weird. Like any new platform comes up and I'll be like, can I use my name? And it's like, yes, yes, you can. That's amazing. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Well, awesome. Thank you for coming on the show. Absolutely. No problem. It's really great talking to you. So now it's time to answer a bookish question from one of our listeners. Nicholas writes in, this morning I was at the bus stop reading a book, The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. A woman driving by slowed her car car down and rolled down her window to say, I love that book. Awkwardly, I replied, thanks. And she drove off. How often are y'all caught off guard by strangers commenting on books you're reading in public? This person did like a drive-by compliment. This is like a, I gotta tell you. This is like book catcalling. It truly is. It's, it is. Book calling. It's a, it's a, it's a drive-by compliment. A drive-by like, love your shoes. Like, which is, you know, better better than catcalling. I feel like catcalling is just like a a non-specific whistle. Yes, I like. I don't. Well, we can get into this, but I don't feel like if someone drives by me and goes, "Hey, cool hair," like I don't get upset. But if someone's like, "Hey, nice ass," I'm like, "Fuck you, buddy." <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, that's a that's a. It feels like a different thing for sure. 
Bria, what do you think about this? Um, well, I'm an e-reader, so it isn't really a problem for me. I mean, and someone's like, yeah, Kindle. Woo. You're like, oh, Kindle. Yeah, <laughs> see, you're reading on that. You love technology. <laughs> um, you like things that are lightweight, easy to carry around, but you got a lot of library books Efficiency. on there. Efficiency. <laughs> um, also, we live in L.A., so I think you're going to address this as well, but um, I just don't run into strangers that often because I don't take t- public transportation. Um, I'm sometimes at coffee shops reading, but I'm then I'm reading on the e-reader for yeah. the most part. So people don't really, it doesn't happen to me very often. Um, I think, look, I'm from a small town though, so I am quick to engage strangers. And when I moved to the big city, uh, I learned quickly that like, oh, you, you don't engage people all the time. It's not nice. And if, if they don't want to be engaged, you have to move quickly on. But I still have the habit of, like, running into people who are reading something. If someone's reading something, I'm probably going to ask what it is if they're reading a full-on book or an e-reader. Even an e-reader, I'm like, I will I will check it out. There was a girl on set yesterday, and she was wearing a shirt that said, um, oh, it's a Beauty and the Beast shirt, and it said something about reading on it. And you were like, be my friend. And I was like, what, well, what are you reading? Because obviously she's not reading on set. We're yeah. working. But then she told me she was reading the library book. Oh. The library book. That's a big buzzy book well, right she now. Went, apparently you can go. This is totally side, total sidebar. But um, you can go to the library in L.A. and you can get it for one week. And you can always you can go and get it for one week because there's a huge hold, but you can go and get it for one week, but you have to return it after a week oh, instead wow. of the normal amount of time. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she went and did that. So she was like, I got to finish reading up to by tomorrow. <laughs> like she was like nervous, but she said it was really good. Um, yeah, the library, I guess, in L.A. is like supporting the library book. Anyway, oh, yeah. um, if I'm reading at a coffee shop, if I'm reading somewhere like that and someone talks to me, I'm happy to tell them about the book that I'm reading. But it doesn't happen to me that often. And I kind of wish it happened more because I usually have a lot to say about whatever I'm reading. I guess that's why we made those shirts asking yeah. what I'm reading. Yeah. What about you? How often does this happen to you? So I'm. it's funny that we are the opposite, but uh, we have the same outcome is that you leave the house all the time, but you're in, always in your car. I very rarely leave the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I work from home. Uh, so this actually doesn't happen to me very often. Um, but my pre-LA life was in Brooklyn where I took the subway all the time and I was always reading. It also didn't happen to me very often, but I never minded when it did. Sometimes I'm like, you all start a conversation. If I, if I'm this person, I'm the crazy lady driving by. <laughs> I love that book. Also yeah. like your hair. Yeah. Also your shoes are not bad either. Where'd you get those? <laughs> I will, t- if I see somebody, um, reading a book and I like that book I, I will never go out like also quick rule here if you see someone reading a book that you didn't like keep your trap shut nobody wants to be <laughs> reading something and have some rando come up to them and be like I didn't like that book the pullover no one... of, of like a drive-by person who's, who's like who's like I hated that book and yeah. they just keep driving yeah don't that would do be, that that's a good story actually it is, it is really funny <laughs> but don't fucking do that because it's weird um but I am totally fine with being like, hey, I love that book. Uh, I only get grumpy about this when people keep talking, when you clearly want to keep reading. If you see someone reading a book that you liked, you can totally say like, hey, I love that book, as long as you are fine with that being it. If, if that person responds, it's like, oh, I love it too. I love this about it. And you start a conversation like, hooray, maybe you have a new book run. Or if they don't, or they just smile and they keep reading, just leave them alone. Please do not push it. That's why like, I like the like, just throwing it out there. And if they're like, Gives you, give, I would normally like if I don't feel like talking to someone because this happens to me like every once in a while. Sometimes it's guys trying to hit on me. Yeah. So if it's that, I'll just like smile and keep and like no, not say anything and then keep reading. And 
like just leave that be. Yeah. But if someone wants to like engage with you, then that's great. So basically, what you're saying is the uh, drive-by compliment is the best thing to do. To do a quick, a quick love that book and keep on going. Yes, I <laughs> that, think you think that's the best way to go, so it doesn't bother people too much. But yes. they can, you can have that that like they the have the inner option. book circle acknowledgement wink. Yes, and if they have the because sometimes I totally do want to talk about what I'm reading. But sometimes I just feel like reading it. So you have to, and you, like, again, if you were this person, like, I've done that to be like, hey, I love that book. And they, like, nod or smile. And I'm and, like, that's, that's I just leave it. Don't say anything more. Like, don't walk up to them and be like, so how far are you in? What part are you? Like, right, right, right. leave them the fuck alone. Right. But if they want to talk to you. This happens to me sometimes when I'm in bookstores. I radiate book energy. <laughs> so people always assume that I work there. They're like, oh, what do you recommend here? How, how, where do I find this section? And Mallory gets her aura red. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's just like it's like they take a photo of it and it's just a bunch of books coming out from <laughs> flying her. Flying around my head. So yeah, I definitely radiate this kind of energy. But yeah, I like I am totally fine with this. And as long as you are really, really polite about it and like are totally fine with that being the entirety of the interaction but this is like when it happens to me with people it, it, it like it definitely depends on the context like if sometimes I just feel like reading sometimes I want to co- start a conversation sometimes I just want to be home and it, no, I never leave the house so yeah so if you want us to answer your reader question or solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, if you want to support the show and show off your love of reading, you can buy Reading Glasses tote bags and shirts in bookmarks and the, in the Max Fun store. Link in the show notes. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us and helps us reach more readers. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. You can Always follow along on our bookish adventures with our general hashtag Reading Glasses Podcast. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading. All these works of the imaginative inventions unfortunately got into chronicles, which were made into books, which everybody respected and believed, principally because they were thick, hard to hold, tedious, and old. And they got into legends, those tales that everybody says they don't believe in because they can't take them seriously, and that everybody believes in precisely because they can't take them seriously. And they were sung in ballads, which are insidious because they pass so easily about town squares and the ports and the dance halls. And none of it was true, none of it, none of the romantic origins, none of the melodious and fantastical names. I'm the one who can tell you what really happened, because it's the storyteller's job to speak the truth, even when the truth lacks the brilliance of invention and has only that other beauty which stupid people call mean and base. From Kalpa Imperial, The Greatest Empire That Never Was, by Angelica Gorodischer, translated by Ursula K. Le Guin. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.